Broadcasting live from the Voldaren Estate on the Plain of Innistrad, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede, you've been invited to a wedding. My name is Graham, and joining me is Cameron. I love weddings. And Nelson. Oh my god, I have nothing to wear. And before we get in to talking about the first bunch of Crimson Vow preview cards, we want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Please check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. Go pre-order your Crimson Vow there. It's the best place to get it because it's good prices and fast shipping, like preposterously fast shipping and excellent customer service. And... You can ask them for a button. You can say loading ready run sent me button, please. And they'll give you a little one inch button, which currently says upkeep, draw, whoops, untap. And of course, this show is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. And if you're watching the video version of this on the YouTube channel, uh, throw, throw us a sub if you're not subbed. Also, one last bit of housekeeping. Very exciting. The Crimson Vow pre-pre-release is coming up this Friday on twitch.tv slash loading ready run. Obviously, if you are watching on that aforementioned YouTube channel, LRRMTG, then the VOD for it will be here and all the videos that we produce for it will also be here in separate, more shareable and digestible form if you so desire. But if you want to catch it live, head over to Twitch. It's the first time in the world that anybody outside of Wizards gets to play Crimson Vow, and we're very excited to bring you a fun day of uh, sealed gameplay with pre-release kits. Also, we're going to be doing a commander game later. Originally, we'd said it would be part of the PPR, but it turns out that the two Crimson Vow commander decks won't actually be previewed until after the PPR, and so, so we can't do that. But we're still going to record the game, and it'll be up. We're aiming to have that up on the Tuesday the 9th, the day after those decks are previewed. So... Let's get in to talking about Crimson Vow. They had a big stream sort of broadcast. It's, they sort of moved into more of a Nintendo Direct kind of style of doing their reveals with like a pre-recorded th thing that they live stream. And they had that last Thursday, did Wizards of the Coast, and they showed off a bunch of new cards from the set and different art styles and new mechanics and all kinds of fun stuff. Let's talk about that. Where do we want to begin? There was so much. Do we talk about mechanics? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's good to start with the mechanics first. All right. From from a brief discussion before we started recording, I know that, Cam, you are keen to talk about Cleave. Cleave makes me so happy. <laughs> this is... Is this the most poetic magic keyword we've ever had? It's called subtractive poetry, right? Where you, like, take an existing text and you erase things from it until you get a new meaning. I, I love it. I had it as a desert bus challenge a few years ago where I suggested that people take um, Claude Shannon's very important paper called A Mathematical Theory of Communication and find the poems in it. But Cleave is a mechanic where you can pay an alternate cost for the spell and then you delete the words that are in brackets. So the, the example that I would give right now is dig up which is a one green sorcery that reads, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. We all know and love this card. Mm -hmm. It also has cleave for one generic mana, two black mana, and one green mana. So you're quadrupling the cost. What do you get from it? Well, when you do that, the words basic land and reveal it are in brackets in the text. So for four mana, you suddenly get a demonic tutor, which is not great, it's not a great return, but it's Demonic Tutor, right? Feels good. 
And it also does the thing for one less mana that some, sometimes you have to do with Demonic Tutor, which is get a land. <laughs> yeah. Right? Nobody's ever happy to DT for a land, but sometimes it's, you know, you, you, you got to stay in the game. Many perfectly, you know, unassuming, just run-of-the-mill, boring, get-there kind of hands involve turn two Demonic Tutor for a land. Yep. So the, you know, getting a discount on that bit, getting to comfortably play for play lay of the land in your in your demonic tutoring deck is that's kind of exciting honestly i think this card's sort of great also you can all, all you can say when you have to do that no 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 dig up stupid right <laughs> yeah it, the card is so flexible it operates in three modes one of which being joking about digging up yep now, I love Cleave. I agree with you completely. I love that it's just like, no, no, we just slice those words off the card. I know Aaron Forsyth, I think, tweeted about how he was not able to get a spell th or a card through development that said destroy all islands with the IS in island in brackets. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah, that is too bad. That would have been fantastic. Like, I, it's probably not a great idea for a card to have in standard, but I think there's a lot of development space with this mechanic that I personally would love to play with and have rejected by people who actually understand how this game works. Wizards, hire me for the next set that has cleave, and I will produce literally thousands of unplayable magic cards for you. <laughs> wow. You, you be careful what you wish for there, Cameron. It's entirely <laughs> possible they take you up on that. I, I mean, I'm here for it. I'm 100% here for it. I would love to just produce ideas for Cleave. I, that's a fresh take to what my Twitter timeline has sort of been about in regards to Cleave. It seems like Cleave has the drawback of, you know, having to parse these sentences that, you know, we always worry that like both enfranchised and new players will have a tough time with it. It is a little bit, a little bit confusing, I will say, like having these multiple sets of brackets popping up in the sentence. But, you know, like most things, there's a knee jerk that, this is going to be worse than it actually is. And after a week of playing these cards in draft, we'll all get used to it probably. Yeah. I think overload was actually a more complex mechanic playing in the same kind of space. People get that pretty intuitively once they like saw it in action, right? I feel that this might be like a video game or an MMO raid mechanic that takes 30 minutes to explain. And once you actually see it happening, you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think so. I've seen a criticism of oh, it's just different kicker, which, it, okay, yeah, fair, but the same can be said of many magic mechanics. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a pretty good article on the Mothership. I don't know if it was Aaron Forsyth again or Mark Rosewater, but someone someone was like, there's a, there's a pretty good article that's like, every mechanic is kicker. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, any, any alternative mat cost, I think, could be templated as kicker with just a little bit of ugliness in the card. The criticism that i saw that i think is actually the most fair is just that this is going to be really irritating to localize Ooh, that's probably true yeah glhf with that yeah someone posted a image of i don't remember the name of it but it was like that mass exile spell with overload you mentioned overload right mm -hmm. in japanese and it the overload rules text like they didn't do the they didn't do the cute like replace you know replace this with every or replace each with every or whatever it is like however overload is worded it's just entirely alternate rules text it's just like 
this card does this. If you pay this cost, it does this because it has to be worded totally differently because the syntax and grammar just doesn't just doesn't match. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the translation is also one of my one of the things that I love dearly. And yeah, oof. rough, rough. But it's a price I'm willing to make other people pay. Right, exactly. Greatness at any cost. Yeah, exactly. Magic in multiple languages is the cost for this kind of thing, right? Hey, yeah, exactly. Greatness at any cost. Sometimes you flick to, flip Tombstalker. But what if the cost is sacrificing one of your own creatures? <gasps> he said, segueing neatly into the return of Exploit. Nice one. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited to see Exploit back. This was originally in the Dragons of Tarkir. Yeah. That sounds right. It was the Silumgar mechanic, the blue-black mechanic, and yeah. here it is. I think the only card that's been spoiled with it so far is a blue card. Uh, there's also a, there's this big oh. beastie, there's a zombie kraken, which yeah. is a horrifying okay. prospect called Rot Tide Gargantua. So I'll read that. We'll talk about the blue one in a second. We'll read this one. Three black-black for a 5-4 zombie kraken. So that by itself, that's all it does. But it has exploit, which reads, when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. Now... That can be the creature with exploit. So generally, a creature with exploit is going to do something in addition to whatever it might already do when you sack a creature. So you can just sort of use them as weird, expensive sorceries if you really must. In this case, it says when Rot Tide Gargantua exploits a creature, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So this could just be a five mana fleshbag marauder. Yeah. And yeah. you just play it and you sacrifice it and your opponent sacrifices a creature. But if you have something little and weenie stick sitting around, then you play this, you sacrifice your like one one token, and then they have to sacrifice something relevant. Yeah, I mean like that that's kind of the way that fleshy bee operates normally. Yeah, this one's fine. I think I still prefer the one that can hit planeswalkers or discard a card. The one from uh uh, uh Magecrafter? No. From Guilds of Ravnica, yeah, a, guilds. a wizard that does it. Yeah, they've been they've been experimenting with making Fleshbag Marauder better and better. There's another one where it's like if they can't, they lose life or something. If they can't sacrifice a creature, I'm trying to remember what it was. But I think in one of the last two year sets, possibly still in Standard, there was a Fleshbag Marauder variant that had another upside again. So yeah, they've definitely been playing with this space because Fleshbag Marauder is like... It's been pretty fringe, right? Like it's okay in Blood Artist decks and maybe it's okay in zombie decks, but it's one of those effects that's been kind of getting sort of played with a little bit to try to find a sweet spot where maybe it's going to be constructed playable, sort of like Mind Rots in that same space mm. where they're, they're tweaking it all the time, trying to push it a little bit to see if they can get it to be more relevant. And yeah, to their credit, like Go Blank has been uh, showing up in some constructed lists. But yeah, this card uh, is terrifying. It's uh, It's a very scary picture of a zombie kraken. And it's hard for me to find any other takeaways about this. It has exploit. So the other one, you wanted to talk about overcharged amalgam, I imagine? Yes. This one feels fun. Uh, this yeah. is a two and two blue zombie horror. It's a three three with flash flying in exploit. When overcharged amalgam exploits a creature, counter target spell activated ability or triggered ability. Oof. So this feels a lot like Silumgar Sorcerer from Dragons of Tarkir, which was a 1-blue-blue 2-1 human wizard with flash flying and exploit, which countered a target spell. So for one additional mana, you can also stifle, and you get a much more useful body. Yeah. Yeah, this this seems like a scary, powerful constructed card. So like, worst case, again, you can just 2-blue-blue to counter anything, basically. You can just exploit itself if you must, but you probably are going to be able to craft a situation where it's going to be beneficial to sacrifice something else and leave yourself with a 3-3 flyer after having countered 
something relevant of your opponent. Yeah, there was like um, in Ikoria where we had the, the shark. Right. That countered yeah. a spell and like did a bunch of stuff, right? And it was like a five mana thing and you could see it coming a mile away. But, you know, because you had to get on with your life, you kind of had to play into it sometimes. Yeah, strong, strong addition to like a blue-white flash kind of team or blue-red flash. In the in the same camp of power level, I would I would guess as the you know petty theft brazen borrower sort of squad three power flyers with bonus abilities. Mm-hmm. Exploit mm-hmm. also, especially on this card because it's a horror. I guess the the other one was pretty horrific too, but this one reminds me more of the Shadows over Innistrad, Eldritch Moon emerge cards. Like mm. exploit being on Innistrad to me feels somewhat familiar, even though this is new. It's mm-hmm. sort of like re- reminds us of emerge, They're fairly similar abilities. And yeah, I don't know. It's got it. Obviously, like sacrificing things, Gothic Horror. It's a good fit. Agreed. And then there's one more creature with exploit, which is Fell Stinger. It's a zombie scorpion. It has death touch. It's three, two for three. When it exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. Oh, that's a nice one, too. Yeah, I like that one a lot. This, this card, I, I feel two very distinct ways about this card. The art greatly upsets me. Mm-hmm. The. <laughs> Like, not like, not like really, but just sort of like, huh, <laughs> something about the double stinger on the horse sized scorpion is, is ugh, it gives me the giblies. But the actual card, you know, just three, two death touch for, for three with a relevant subtype. Like it's, it's, it's also a zombie deck. Like that's pretty dope. And then if you can exploit something for a sign in blood, it's like, Ooh, yes, please. Yeah, the fact that it's target player too, like you can you can use this to kill your opponent if they're two. Yeah, you can just play it, sack itself, and dome them. Yeah, exactly. The flexibility of having a three-two death touch for three, or a sign in blood, or you know maybe both if you have a creature, another creature to sacrifice. Like pretty cool card. Mm-hmm. Also, I like the idea that just you know you, you've got your horse bringing all your bales of hay in, and like it's time to take a break. You're gonna you're just gonna walk the hay from the the cart right there into the barn. You know, for whatever reason, you, you need to let your horse out to pasture and you're just going to slowly unload that hay instead of pulling the cart out. And then you come back after bringing the first bale and it's just like, nope, nope, this is it. I'm done. I'm changing jobs. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm ruined now. We were barely holding on. And now my, you know, a draft horse has to be the like economic equivalent of a tractor, right? Yeah. It's got to be one of your most expensive possessions for sure. If you're a farmer on an instrument. Yeah. Well, Guess we're losing the farm, Martha. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done with this. We're going to become zombies. <laughs> Another returning mechanic is Daybound and Nightbound. They're just there are there are werewolves. You know, there were vampires in in Midnight Hunt. There are were, werewolves here. May as well talk about one. There's there's a mythic in red, volatile arsonist. Three red red for a four four with menace and haste, which is already scary. Whenever volatile arsonist attacks, it deals one damage to each of up to one target creature, one target player, and or up to one target planeswalker. So you get to throw around one point of damage to one of each kind of those things if you want. And then on the nightbound side, it is a five five werewolf with menace and haste. And whenever it attacks, it deals two damage of up to one creature, player, and or a planeswalker. So yeah, it's it's not particularly flashy. It's just like, yeah, that that beats. Yeah, that's gonna ruin my day. Big glory bringer at home vibes. Yeah. Like this is gonna blow away my fell stinger, kill my planeswalker, and then shock me even before it connects. 
right like yeah yeah no uh nice medium red dragon right there the way that these daybound nightbound cards work in this set doesn't look to have changed again so this should be a fairly familiar mechanic to everyone who's just been playing these these don't seem to have changed yeah be prepared to have three blockers up at all times when you're against red (laughs) right yeah if you would like to learn about a new mechanic, might we interest you in training? This is a new mechanic that's sort of similar to Mentor. The way it works is whenever this creature attacks with another creature with greater power, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. So I'm looking at Griff Rider right now. This is a two and one white mana for a two, one flying with training. So a flying creature that buddies up with a slightly larger creature when they attack that might be another flying creature it might not and each time the griff rider attacks alongside another creature with higher power it gets a plus one plus one counter so pretty nice ability and uh, an interesting sort of counterpart to mentor yeah i think it's neat yeah we've also seen a one four with reach in green called apprentice sharpshooter it's uh two generic and a green for a one four reach training so pretty easy to activate the training trigger and a big butt so hopefully you'll survive combat maybe get to grow that thing into, you know, wing shredder size. And we haven't yet had spoiled any sort of mythics with training or, or sorry, there, no, there is one. <laughs> Savior of Allenbach, we also saw. Mm. This is one white or one generic and two white. So three mana again for a one, two with training. And whenever Savior of Allenbach trains, so that's when you get the plus, plus counter on it, exile up to one other target creature from the battlefield or creature card from a graveyard. Well, that's exciting. And whenever it leaves the battlefield, put the exiled cards onto the battlefield under their owner's control. So pretty powerful ability there. Let's break that down again. When this trains, exile up to one other target creature from the battlefield or creature card from a graveyard. So you can either be, you know, maybe getting ready to blink your own things on the on the field. That's probably the least least popular mode, but you could exile your own creatures that you have on the board if you are worried about a wrath or if you're planning to wrath or if, you know, you just need to have insurance you can also just get stuff back from your graveyard so you can exile your own creatures from your graveyard or probably the most common sort of board affecting one is exiling their blockers so similar to how we just had brutal cathar in the last set there's you know a three drop in white that's able to take out and exile at least temporarily multiple creatures from the opponent so yeah watch out i'm looking forward to losing to this one in draft real hard yeah there is one more mechanic that's not sort of like a keyword mechanic but it is a pervasive theme in the whole set which you know makes a lot of sense for a vampire wedding which is blood so there's a new token in the same sort of vein as food treasure or clues and it's a blood token now inherently i think that blood tokens are not as strong as those necessarily i mean so the most the most easy comparison is to a clue so a clue token, we know this, we we've, we have them in standard right now, two mana, and I think you have to tap it still, but two mana and sacrifice it to draw a card. A blood token is only one mana, but it's a rummage. So you sacrifice the blood token, you discard a card, and then you draw a card. So in limited, certainly, that's still quite good because late, late in the game, you just pitch a land and you draw something hopefully relevant. But the thing is that there's also a lot of synergy for them in the set. So an example we've seen so far is Gluttonous Guest. So it's two and a black for a 1-4 vampire. When it enters the battlefield, you create a blood token. And whenever you sacrifice a blood token, you gain one life. Or, for example, Anya, Maid of Dishonor. Two black red 
for a 4-5 vampire, legendary, whenever she and or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under your control, create a blood token. This only happens once per turn. And then for two, sacrifice another creature or blood token. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. And there's other stuff that cares about sort of how many blood tokens you have. So they're not just the thing that exists in and of themselves. If you if you don't have a lot of synergy with them, that's fine because they you still have sort of like the rummage thing. But there are cards that will care about how many blood tokens you have, that kind of thing. So I think that's, it's good for flavor of the set, but it's also, I just think it's just mechanically neat. Yeah, it's a fun bit of flexibility. Mm-hmm. These tokens that like have this one shot effect and hang around until you use them. I think, again, it's been a cool part of design space we've seen expanding, you know, the zombie with decayed token last set being kind of like the next evolution after food and clues of just like, okay, it's a creature, but only once you get, you know, it's an attacking token, attacking for two token, which you'll sometimes use for something else like sacrificing a creature. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one of the cool effects we see using a blood token is Voldaren Bloodcaster. This is one generic and a black for a 2-1 flying vampire wizard. So pretty nice stats already, 2-1 flyer, and it can block unlike vampire interloper. And I'm happy to play that card whenever. So uh, I'm in already. Whenever Bloodcaster or another non-token creature you control dies, create a blood token. But whenever you create a blood token, if you control five or more blood tokens, transform this. And on the backside, we get a 3-3, still with flying, called Bloodbat Summoner that says at the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target blood token you control becomes a 2-2 black bat creature with flying and haste in addition to its other types. And I guess, you know, in addition to keeping its its rules text, which says you can sacrifice this and discard a card to draw a card. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool payoff right there. Yeah. Slowly turn all of your little, your little rummage artifacts into 2-2 bats. Yeah. I will also look forward to losing to this card in draft. <laughs> and I think the last mechanic, its there's a lot going on in this set, is another returning mechanic, which is Disturb. So Disturb is back, but with a twist. Because, well, we've only seen two cards, but I assume that this carries on. I think that in the video that they did actually say that this, this was the case. But Disturb in this set, the spirits come back as enchantments. <laughs> So we've got Drogskull Infantry, one in a white for a 2-2 Spirit Soldier. That's it. It's a, it's a bear, 2-2 two, two for two, with Disturb for three in a white. And it comes back as Drogskull Armaments, which is a creature enchantment, and the enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two. And then same, same as before, if it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, you exile it instead. And then we've also seen Dorothea Vengeful Victim is white-blue for a 4-4 Flying Spirit, when Dorothea, Vengeful Victim, attacks or blocks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. So it's a 4-4 four, four flyer for two, but you only get it once to attack or block with it. But then it disturbs for one white-blue into Dorothea's Retribution, which is another creature enchantment. And the enchanted creature has, whenever this creature attacks, create a 4-4 four, four white spirit creature token with flying that's tapped and attacking, sacrifice that token at the end of combat. So it turns the creature into a Geist of St. Draft. Pretty exciting. It, do, does anyone know, like, lore-wise, is Dorothea, like, the Geist of St. Traff's friend or something? Or, I don't know, yeah. I don't actually know. Not a clue. I think this might be the first time we're seeing uh, Dorothea. Mm-hmm. Right. I also wonder, like, thematically or lore-wise here, you know, I, I'd like to go back and check. I haven't. But, like, are all the creatures in Midnight Hunt 
are they all like alive on the first side? And then when you disturb their spirits, because these ones are like spirits that then like, you know, you disturb and they're like on another plane where it's like, they're not even really, you know, they're not moving their own bodies, but they're, they can kind of leave you with a tool. They've like left behind a tiny presence of themselves. Right. I think everything in Midnight Hunt was alive first. Let me just look it up, though. Yeah. Like, the only one that gave me pause was Denik, and Denik was definitely a human first. Yeah, Denik is a human on one side and a ghost on the other side. Yeah, in Midnight yeah. Hunt, all the disturbed creatures were alive on one side and ghosts on the other. Neat. So now they're all ghosts, and then it's like just the... Just the tiniest piece of them, you know, just the sword to give a creature plus two. Plus oh, two, right. I didn't even like, realize that. Droxel Infantry is a ghost. On yeah. the, oh, right. They're both ghosts on the first side. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So whoever invented like, you know, these zombies have decay because Lillian already used up all the good zombies and these are the only ones that are left. It's like they're barely even <laughs> held together. It's like, you know, kudos. Probably I'm thinking it's the same people that came up with like, OK, now we're going to we're going to like slowly phase these these people all the way out they're going to go from being alive to being dead to being like just a piece of a ghost mm -hmm. very very cool storytelling through the cards and through the mechanic cool well already mechanically this looks like a lot of fun are there any other cards that we want to talk about before we start talking about all the different ways they can look <laughs> actually i got yeah. one i want to talk about yeah i want to talk about grolnock the omnivore please big frog Everyone loves a big frog. Two green blue for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature frog. Whenever a frog you control attacks, mill three cards. Whenever a permanent card is put into your graveyard from your library, exile it with a croak counter on it. Croak counter. <laughs> you may play lands and cast spells from among cards you own in exile with croak counters on them. So anything that gets milled off is basically just in your hand as long as you still control Grolnock the omnivore well that's messed up yeah that seems very cool yeah some fun commander games drawing five cards with tome scour or whatever yep <laughs> do you know that like traditionally a lot of frog creatures in magic do graveyard stuff i would not have anticipated that but yeah didn't know that didn't know that frogs were really known for anything i kind of thought frogs were like friends with clones like i sort of think of frogs first as being like a thing that the simic combine kind of does when they're experimenting it's like we're gonna we're gonna make you half frog right <laughs> so there's there's lots of frogs that don't interact with the graveyard as well but i i just pulled up a scryfall search for creature type frog okay and uh, Bloated Toad has cycling. Anarid Bark Ripper, which has been oracled to being a frog, has threshold. Anarid Scavenger gets you to put stuff from your graveyard onto the bottom of your library every upkeep. Excavating Anarid, which is now formerly a frog beast, also has threshold unless you sacrifice lands. Of course, we know all about the Gitrog monster. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's just interesting that it's like, oh, OK. So there's, you know, this has actually been a long time coming that like frogs sort of mess with the graveyard a bit. And there's plenty that don't. But I mean, it's just, it, it's interesting that there's that there's enough that do. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. Yeah. This I did not see this coming, but, you know, I'm glad it's here. Yeah. I appreciate that there's <laughs> another arm hanging out of this thing's mouth. Yeah. I just appreciate that Gitrog can finally have like a buddy cop movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Although, like, the fact that Grolnock doesn't have black in their identity means that they don't get to be the commander for things like, well, 
you know, uh, Gitrog monster and Yargle. Right. Mm. Yeah, maybe you could get a Sultai commander and then play them all in the nine nine. I don't know. It's 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 good to think of them hanging out, even if they're going to be on opposite sides of the board sometimes because of the color identity thing. Nelson, what's one leaping out to you? Yeah, I'd like to talk about Demonic Bargain, if that's okay. This is a two generic and one black mana sorcery. That's three mana. For exile, the top 13 cards of your library, then search your library for a card. Put that card into your hand, then shuffle. So this is like, this is a drawback, obviously, on a Demonic Tutor. It's one more mana, so that's not a lot more mana. One less than paying the cleave on Dig Up. And exiling the top 13 cards versus losing three life? usually exiling cards is going to be worse but like in standard where you can play four ofs or maybe historic or pioneer like this is a three mana tutor where if your combo involves you know comfortably playing multiple copies of stuff like you just have a three mana tutor to get whichever piece you want so that's uh you know, powerful effect stamp, I would like to slap on this thing. Don't be surprised if your opponents are demonic bargaining, and then if you don't kill them before they untap again, you won't untap again. Yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous card, and it reminds me a lot, I forget its name now, but the Black Tutor where you exile cards from the top of your library until you stop, or you hit a second copy of one of the cards you've exiled. Tainted Pact? Tainted Pact, yes, I think. I'm 99% positive it's tainted pact which is just like similar probably actually quite different in function tainted pact has this advantage where if you play like a highlander deck you can just sort of dig to one specific card yeah well i mean this was the reason why you kind of split your land base any basics you had between normal basics and snow covered yeah exactly this one doesn't give you that assuredness that like if it's the top three cards or whatever that you need then you can still get it but yeah no i agree it, it exiles part of your library and it tutors for a card for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if in standard there's necessarily going to be a combo deck that everyone has to worry about now that this card's being printed, but possibly. I'm not the best at finding these things out. And also we have another three mana tutor in blue right now from Strixhaven that can get an instant or a sorcery, which mm-hmm. is again like kind of on the level of very good tutors, I would I would profess. I would posit that that one is a good tutor that probably has already seen some need Highlander play, but I'm not sure if it if it's in like a good standard deck. Certainly none, none that I know of. You know, you just gotta hope if this is in standard, you just gotta hope that they cast it and then exile all four copies of their combo piece. <laughs> right? It's yep. possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At any cost, Graham. At any cost. Cam, what's what's been leaping out to you? I'm really excited about Anya Falkenrath or her new new card, excuse me, which is Made of Dishonor. Yeah, Made of Dishonor. Anya is a card we last saw in a commander set that interacted with Madness quite well and led to a really kind of like... Anya Falconrath was a card I was really excited about, and then the only good deck you can play with her is like a Doomsday Pile, mm-hmm. which sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, but right. Anya, Made of Dishonor, is too generic, black, red, for a 4-5 vampire, legendary, clearly. And whenever Anya, Made of Dishonor, and or one or more other vampires enters the battlefield under your control, create a blood token. We, 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 we've spoken about this, and then she has an alternate mode for blood tokens. So, eh, 4-5 for 4, wants to be a vampire commander, looks cool, I want to hang out with Anya, just in general. Although I'm not really sure she has the organizational capacity that you really need for your Maid of Honor. <laughs> Right? Like, the Maid of Honor needs to be somebody who just, like, you know, 
is able to like get the DJ on track, make sure the catering's done, make sure all the suit rentals have been taken care of properly. Like they need somebody with all their ducks in a row. And Anya, who is enjoys torturing people to death, eh, she's going to get sidetracked, I feel. But, you know, I mean, this is a vampire wedding, so what do I know? Maybe the maid of dishonor just needs to show up and kind of break stuff. And there's another maid of honor who handles all that other stuff you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Like who's in charge of admin? Certainly like both uh, Christian Angel and Yong J Choi on the two versions of this card I've seen just killing it with the look of distaste on Anji's face, right? Like I, I just love how much she's like, when is this over? <laughs> Are we yep. done here yet? Like, can I can I go now, mom? <laughs> you know, I'm so done. <laughs> Similarly, we should we should talk about Soren, please. Oh, yeah. He's hot now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's been hot before. But Hotter than cool. usual. He's definitely turned it up. Yeah. But specifically the so there's several different art treatments here, but the the I guess the the default art treatment, Soren the Mirthless, right? He's the Mirthless and he's just got like a goblet of, I guess, blood. I was, you know, I was, was going to say wine, but I guess it's blood. And he's just like leaning against a door frame, clearly not excited to be at this wedding. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> So I guess I'm not inheriting anything. <laughs> I guess I'm out of the will, huh? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm curious. I don't remember who, I think I was talking to Paul about this. I don't know how, how it works on Innistrad. If Soren Markov is Edgar Markov's son or son, I think is so, yeah. Edgar just his sire, just the one who turned right. him, or is he just a vampire that's part of how of family markov and like are he and edgar even related this this information probably exists somewhere on the internet and i've never bothered to look it up i guess i'll do that right now live on the podcast awesome i just really like the the regular set soren the mirthless the art really feels like someone had 400 reference photos in a folder somewhere just ready to go for this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right martina fashkova like i feel that her her reference folder for this piece of artwork was just something that was years in development yeah yeah fantastically hot picture why don't we tell you a little bit about the card in case you're just listening and haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh here we go sorry real quick but first but first soren is edgar's grandson okay does that mean that like like biologically like while edgar was a human still and then soren was born or does it mean like biologically? Okay, cool. All right. Edgar Markov was an alchemist, and then he made a deal with a demon for the secrets of Sangromancy and created a blood ritual that granted agelessness and the ability to subsist on blood. So Edgar Markov oh. basically made vampires happen on on Innistrad, and then granted that agelessness to Soren. Like Soren wasn't turned in the traditional like teethy way he was granted a vampiric state by edgar's sangromancy alchemy malarkey and oh there we go the trauma of this transformation sparked his spark that's why soren's a planeswalker because it probably hurt i can imagine yeah i mean it probably it probably hurt like dying yeah Anyway, oh. what's the card do? Right. So Soren the Mirthless, two generic and two black for a four mana, four loyalty starting Planeswalker. Plus one, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card and put it into your hand. If you do, you lose life equal to its mana value. Ooh, nice, nice uh, tweak on 
how the sort of dark confident draw card ability tends to work you can you can you can choose not to if it's going to kill you minus two create a two three black vampire creature token with a flying and lifelink oh my gosh this is like this is like what other sorens did but better and you don't yep. even have to pay white mana for minus seven soren the mirthless deals 13 damage to any target you gain 30 life Thir- sorry 13 life sign me up i am excited to play with this card it seems quite good in my yeah. estimation yeah well you've got many options as well and i want to talk about all of them in terms of playing this soren so there's the soren the you know very attractive looking hiding in the corner not happy to be here soren as in most recent sets there are also borderless planeswalkers so there's another different one this one he is, looks like he's outside on a balcony similarly just like doesn't really want to be be at this party but there's in the same way that there was the harvest tide card frame in midnight hunt with the the leaves and and everything there's i don't know what they call it it's like a fang something it's a it's a vampire kind of card frame in this set that appears on a bunch of cards including many cards that we've already talked about and it's just a sort of it's a cool pointy filigreed fancy looking vampire frame and so soren is also available in that frame and the alternate art because they also have alternate art if they're in that frame for soren i saw it and i was immediately like dang that looks like he just walked out of castlevania like he looks like the art of like alucard from the cover of symphony of the night the artist is ayami kojima who does the key art for castlevania games (laughs) oh wow so they literally just hired the artist who's been working on castlevania games since symphony of the night which is why it looks like Castlevania. Also, it's great. It's it's, it's really good. <laughs> so many ruffles yeah. and yeah, just fantastic art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the 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 main set, Soren feels like he's at the door to the party, just being like, "Hey, what's up?" These other two feel like he has left the party, which is a mode that I relate to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go outside for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go stand outside for a little bit because it's very noisy in there and nobody's saying anything interesting. So. I'm just going to go hang out on the balcony and drink my glass of blood. Uh, yeah. And y'all can get me if something interesting happens. And there is a yet further variant of Soren the Mirthless. Ain't no alt printing like the fourth alt printing. Yeah, because in the same way that the Ikoria set had Godzilla cards that was like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, but actually it's mechanically this card right underneath. This set has characters and places and other things they said from the dracula mythos from you know like bram stoker's dracula and so soren the mirthless is count dracula and in the same way that there was many variants of godzilla it seems like there are variants of dracula as well because nelson you were talking about voldaren bloodcaster that transforms into Bloodbat Summoner. And that that is also available as Dracula, Lord of Blood, and Dracula, Lord of Bats. So there's at least two Draculas. Uh, Voldaren Estate, which we mentioned at the top of the show, is also Castle Dracula. Didn't actually talk about what that card does, by the way. It's a land. It taps for colorless. You can tap it and pay a life to add one mana of any color, but you can only spend that to cast vampire spells. And then for five and tap, you make a blood token. And this ability costs one less for each vampire you control. So I guess at some point you can just start spitting out blood. That sounded wrong. I already do. I don't need your permission. (laughs) So yeah, I I think that the Dracula, like it's cool. I, it's neat, you know, like they got Mina Harker. Mina Harker looks amazing. 
right? We haven't mentioned this, but yeah, Thalia's still still around, still kicking on Nistrad, and this time in a standard legal set, we're getting a reprint of the original Dark Ascension Thalia. One generic and one white for a 2-1 first strike legendary creature that just says non-creature spells cost one more to cast. And my favorite meme I've seen on, on Twitter so far is someone posting, you know, Watsy, please ban all Rand's Epiphany from standard because it's been fairly powerful. <laughs> a lot of the decks are playing it. And then, and then, you know, previews Thalia. It's like, don't worry, we don't have to. <laughs> this is an extremely powerful, like sort of one of the most crucial hate bears, like one of the iconic hate bears from, you know, the legacy deck that bears the same name. She's seen lots play in modern, and I'm sure she's going to make an impact on the standard format with the flashback spells running around from the previous set and the Strixhaven mm-hmm. decks that are focused on instants and sorceries. So Thalia, long, long time fan I am of Thalia, so happy to see her back. And Thalia only looks three different ways because... <laughs> There's the regular printing of Thalia. There's, as I mentioned, the Dracula series Mina Harker variant of Thalia. And then because Thalia isn't a vampire, because only the vampires get the fancy filigree frame with alternate art in the same way that only the werewolves got the harvest tide frame, Thalia also has a variant with the high contrast black and white art, which we've also seen on a new cycle of basic lands and cards like Dorothea and Grolnok. Yeah, this black and white Thalia looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Agreed. They also, ooh, speaking of that, they also showed off during that event, they showed off a little bit of Innistrad double feature, oh. which I'm very excited about. I'm Yeah, I'm look, looking forward to that stream. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because, you know, that, that comes out in January. So, you know, all, all going well, we should be able to bring you an in-person draft of that. Whew. But it's designed as a as a draft set it's not just like older magic where it was you draft the two sets side by side one pack after another it's much more like a remastered set where it's cards from Innistrad Midnight Hunt and cards from Innistrad Crimson Vow not necessarily every card but mixed together in the same boosters for a new draft environment and apparently every card in double feature even if it has the same art from its original printing the art has done they've done a treatment to the art for every single one of them is in high contrast black and white whoa so it will look like a like an old monster movie which yeah looking forward to that (laughs) i think that's kind of sweet yeah no i'm excited to play that for a bunch of different reasons I'd like to talk about just a couple more cool cards that we've seen spoiled. Yeah. Not, not part of any cycles or anything or lead into any particular things happening, any events. But by invitation only is uh, a new sort of wrath variant. This is three generic white, white for a sorcery. So five mana. And it says choose a number between zero and 13. Each player sacrifices that many creatures. So really interesting wrath that like kind of revolves around tokens or go wide strategies right if you're the go wide player you can include this and as long as you have more creatures than your opponent you can have one stick around or more than one stick around with the drawback that if your opponent is going wider than you or like you know if your opponent has gone wider than 13 creatures on the board it doesn't maybe do the whole job and you're kind of left possibly with too many creatures on the opposing side even after you cast your sweeper but really cool card and i think that's the third card they spoiled from that stream that has a number of 13 on it that we've talked about mm-hmm. but yeah and the last one i really need to give a shout out to is massive might this is one green mana instant for target creature gets plus two plus two and trample until end of turn 
So while this doesn't pack the punch of like a groundswell or might of old Croza, because it includes the trample mm-hmm. uh, still on the one mana trick and only shaving off one point of power and toughness pump from a typical giant growth, I think this is going to be something that infect players might consider, and certainly any deck that's you know being aggress- aggressive. This is like a great one mana trick. Agreed. Trample probably the next best thing you can give after hexproof. So I, you know, I don't like it quite as much as that Kaladesh one that was the same with plus two plus two and hexproof, but like still very very good. And the art is of a big snail that's like taking over a whole town. So that's that's great too. Yeah, watch out for giant sludge. It's so big. You know what else is really big? Oh yeah, you know what else is really big? <laughs> Graham? No, go for oh, it. Cameron? Cameron? Yeah. No, that was all I had actually. <laughs> I had the segue and then it led right to a cliff. Okay, we're going to take we're going to get a clean take, right Jordan? We're going to edit all that out. Okay, thanks. Thanks Jordan. Yeah, thanks Jordan. You know what else is really big? <laughs> Making a big order from cardkingdom.com forward slash LRR. Maybe you could get some of your favorite new cards from the uh, the old Crimson Vow set there. If you're in the United States, you can get anything they offer. And if you're in the rest of the world, you can get everything they offer except for the newest sealed product. You can still get new singles shipped to you outside of the United States from Card Kingdom. Let them know that we sent you and ask for a button when you're making your order and you'll get a cool little one inch button that says. And I'd also like to thank our Patreons at patreon.com forward slash LRR. Oh, wait, whoops. I meant to do the button. It's draw untap oops upkeep i think there we go (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't quite get as meta as as graham did last week but i do want to thank our patreons at patreon.com forward slash long ray run for continuing to support us to make terrible segues and even worse jokes and we will we'll keep doing it as long as you keep helping us to get it done so thank you for that delightful all right that is going to do it for this episode of tap tap concede reminder please tune in to the pre-pre-release this coming friday on twitch.tv slash loading ready run or just kick around this youtube channel because the vod will be up here eventually thanks everybody for watching or listening or however you interact with this we appreciate it i've been graham joined by cameron Uh, and nelson i was also here Jordan edits these, James was running the card reader, Heather gets them online, and you've all been listening, so everyone's helped. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.